Well, good morning and praise God. God's love never fails. It never, it never runs out. Good morning to all of you guys here. It's great to see some faces we haven't seen here in a while, so good morning. Um, also for you guys on YouTube Live, um, man, technology is such a blessing. Even though Matt is um, not here today, he was able to lead worship, and I think that is so awesome. So for you guys on YouTube Live, we want to welcome you guys today. And for you guys here in church, want to welcome you guys as well. You know, over the last uh, almost three months, we've been talking about, you know, what God is doing, and God is doing something new. And it's not always easy to see what God is doing. You really have to have a, a spiritual lens. You have to be spiritualized, have spiritual eyes, and that's not always so easy for everyone. And as we've been kind of walking along through this, uh, we talked about how we want to transform the Bay Area and beyond through the love of Christ, and we want to do this by becoming maturing Christians who, one, understand, but then, two, express Christ's love. And we talked about Christ's love being that of a father is what Scripture tells us, or a parent. Sometimes it's a hug, sometimes it's maybe getting grounded, which isn't always fun, but we have to understand that we learn, you know, when we go through some kind of punishment. And then I talked about our church having three core values or three ways that help us to understand and express Christ's love. The first one was learning about Christ, and that means that we read, we listen, but we also study. We have to thoughtfully consider what God's Word says. And as we do that, we start to develop a heart that wants to live for Christ. And that's what we were talking about basically for the last three weeks. We talked about, uh, Pastor Elmy talked about returning to Christ last week. Before that, I talked about the difference between a sin and sinning because many people are living in sin. They don't realize it. Then I talked about the emergency sermon God put on my heart, and that is that Proverbs 3, 5, trusting in the Lord with all your strength, all your heart, and leaning not on your own understanding, that is the biggest sin is when we lead, or I'm all over the place, when we, when we lean on our own understanding. So we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding in all our ways, we need to acknowledge Him. He will direct our steps. And I described, and I think Pastor Emily uh, reiterated last week, that when we lean on our own understanding, it means that we are leaning on ours or others' resources. It could be money, it could be influence, it could be power. It could also be our emotions. And those are the things that cause us to make decisions. So instead of going to God first, we go to all of these other things first. But this week, I want to go to the final L, because as we are learning about Christ, and we are now living for Him, we start experiencing this new revelation. God opens Scripture to us in a whole different way because we know that there are certain things that are spiritually discerned. That's what the Bible tells us. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us discern certain things in Scripture that we just can't see through like our regular human eyes. We need the eyes of God. We need help, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's our helper. He's our guide. He's our counselor. And so as we're seeing these changes in our own life, as we're getting excited and feeling the love of God, and we're just seeing these incredible things happen to us and around us when, within the lives of other believers, we start to develop this desire that I would really like my son or daughter, I would really like my parents to experience this incredible joy, this incredible God that loves me. Well, wouldn't it be great if my coworkers experienced the same thing, fellow students that I go to school with? And so we start to develop a heart that wants to lead others to Christ. That's the third L. 
It's leading others to Christ. But before we talk about this, we have to talk about some spiritual truths that we see in the Bible. And these spiritual truths are that heaven and hell are real. Now, this isn't so easy for people to contemplate or or, or even understand because eternity just really doesn't make sense in our finite minds. That when we die, we, either, we will either spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. And it's really hard to grasp these ideas because we, all we know is the time that we have here on earth. That's all that we know about. So a great place to start, the best place, because that first L tells us that we need to learn about Christ, is what does the Bible say about heaven? So let's, you know, let's not theorize. Let's go to God's Word to see what it says. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Incredible that we'll get to be with God. We'll be dwelling among him. He will be dwelling among us. Now, listen to verse 4. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He will wipe away every tear. Every time you cry that you're sad, he's going to wipe that away. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Amen. Doesn't that sound like an incredible place that we want to be? Heaven. We want to be with God. No pain, no crying, no mourning. John 14, verses 1 through 3. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You know, for those of you guys that grew up in a healthy household, because unfortunately we don't all come from healthy families, but if you did, there's something incredible about being home. And that's what God is preparing for us, a home that we get to be with him. Luke 23, verses 42 and 43 Then he said, Jesus, this is actually coming up here, Calvary's cross. This is one of the the two, uh, I guess, prisoners, the, the criminals that were on the side of Jesus. So this is one of them. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Think about that word paradise, right? Man, we're getting this incredible picture of what heaven is like. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21 Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For uh, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Think about that. 
this image, there's no crime, right? It, it, and that's not necessarily the context here, but that's the, that's the verbology, let's say. It's this perfect place. And then Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be made like his glorious body. When we're in heaven, we're going to have spiritual bodies. Imagine that. You know, my dad has cancer. If he truly believes in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, that won't be the case anymore. He's going to have this spiritual body. Doesn't heaven sound incredible? So start thinking about that, that there is this place that is real, and this is what Scripture tells us about it. Now here's the thing. We've painted, or I haven't painted, God painted this incredible picture of what heaven will be like. But God's not dumb. God's perfect. So what he also did in his word is like, he said, I'm going to also give you a very clear picture of what hell looks like. So what does the Bible say about hell? Prepare yourselves because we started with a really warm feeling of heaven. But now we have to hear what God says about hell. 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 8 through 10. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you have believed our testimony to you. Everlasting destruction shut out from the presence of the Lord. It very much is the opposite of heaven. Revelation 21, verse 8, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magical arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned. Consigned means it's a place that you're put or it's a place that you're found to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Yeah. All the warm feelings you had a few minutes ago, I'm sure it's really changed because this is the reality of what hell is like. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus gives a really clear description of what he, he thinks about hell. Mark 9, verses 43 through 48. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than, to be, uh, than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your, eyes, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Now, we're not saying Jesus is not being literal. Don't go and cut off your hands and pluck out your eyes. That's not what he's saying. He's just saying, you know what? It would be far better to be blind than to be in hell. It would be far better to not have any hands and no feet than to be in hell. Heaven 
and hell are real. But this is the amazing part of this. Scripture tells us we have a choice. We have a choice. We're not doomed to hell the second we're born. We have a choice, but we have to make that choice. John 3.16 John 3.16 through verse 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So that's a decision. We have to believe in Jesus. Verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So we have to make a choice if we want to believe and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior because that was the purpose that he came here. He didn't come here to condemn us to hell. He came here to give us freedom, to give us that option that we get to spend eternity with our Father God. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned and already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. We have to make that decision. Do we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Here's some more descriptions about this process that we get a choice in what happens. Matthew 13, verses 47 through 50. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down and let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. They sat down and collected the good fish in the baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We have a choice. Heaven or hell. We have to believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior because there will be... A time, there will be a point in the future. Well, I mean, if people die, it's already happened, but things are going to be sorted out. Here's another example. It's in Matthew 13, verses 36 through 42. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us this parable of the weeds in the field. So even these followers of Jesus, the 12 disciples, they didn't get all Jesus' teaching. You know, several weeks ago when we talked about learning about Christ, that's why I said you got to continue to study. Because it was hard for these guys that were with Jesus, so it's even harder for us who are not with Jesus every single day. We are, but not in the same way that they were physically. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are, the, are angels. As the weeds are pulled and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin. We've talked about sin a lot lately and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So again, we have to really think thoughtfully about this decision that we need to make, this choice that we have between heaven and hell. 
But even though God has given us this incredible gift of free will, because we can choose, we have the choice, He's given us the freedom to do that, it is also so important to understand that God does not want anyone to go to hell. That is not what God wants. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 5. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving made, be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Isn't that awesome? That's the lives God wants for us. He wants us to be godly and holy. Holiness, there's only one truly holy person, that's Jesus. That means he's sinless. But Scripture tells us that we should be holy as he is holy. That means we should strive to be sinless. We know we'll never be able to do it. Amen, absolutely. But we should strive to sin less. And I already told you a few weeks ago, the greatest sin or the greatest, uh, I guess, the uh, path of sin is leaning on your own understanding. We have to get past that. We've got to get past leading on our own understanding for everything because it's sin. And that's not how God wants us to live. He wants us to live godly and holy lives. Verse 3, this is good and pleases God our Savior. Here's the awesome verse right here. Who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. God wants everyone to be in heaven with him. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus. How awesome is that? Even though there is a heaven and hell, our loving God does not want us to end up in hell. He wants us to be saved. He wants to be with us through eternity. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9-11 For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that we, uh, whether we are awake or asleep, that means if, you've already, if someone's died already, or if they're still living, we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. We have to encourage one another because Christ, the Holy Spirit, God, our trying God, He wants to see us in heaven with Him. That is His desire to be with us in eternity. But He gave us a choice. Now, if we truly understand and express Christ's love, and that's what we talked about, that if we want to transform the Bay Area and beyond through the love of Christ, that we need to understand and express Christ's love. So if we are doing that, we also should want to see people in heaven. Or in other words, we should not want people to go to hell. If we are truly understanding and expressing God's love, we should not want anyone to end up in hell. This means just like Jesus, Christians, if you truly are a Christian, and we had the greatest testimony of this several weeks ago, I told you, how awesome is it that we have a new sister in Christ that has joined us, that is part of the family. But that was a recent experience. And the reason why I shared that that was so powerful is her testimony hopefully really shakes up some people in the church that have not made that decision yet, even if they've been going to church for so much of their life, their lives. That's why it was so incredible that I got to share this incredible story. 
truly what I believe is the most powerful testimony I have ever heard that somebody after many, many years of being in the church and doing church things accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So if you are truly a Christian, you should be willing to make sacrifices too, just like Jesus did who gave his life the ultimate sacrifice for us. Now, praise God, for most of us, the sacrifice will not be our lives. There are people in the world who die for their faith. They're martyred. So some people have to give their life in order to represent God, in order to share the gospel message. We don't have to do that. But here's a question for you. Would you sacrifice relationships? If there was someone in your life who was living in sin, would you be willing to walk away from that relationship in order to share the gospel with them? That you knew that if you share the truth of the gospel with them, they would be so offended, they would say, you know what, I do not want to be your friend anymore. I do not want to talk to you anymore. Would you be willing to sacrifice that? How about your pride? Would you be willing to sacrifice your pride in order to see someone in heaven? How about your standing in a group? Let's say you have a lot of influence and authority. Would you be willing to be bold and share the gospel message even if it cost you your position in order to see someone end up in heaven versus end up in hell? Or how about this one? Just being made fun of. Would you sacrifice being made fun of? Would you say, it's okay if you make fun of me and say I'm too Jesus-y in order to see someone end up in heaven versus hell? If not, what does that say about you and say about your belief in heaven and hell? Because if I sit here in front of you and say, you know what? My pride is too big. I care too much about my standing in the community that I am not going to share the gospel message. I would actually rather you end up in hell than me be embarrassed or me to lose my pride or any of those things. That sounds pretty terrible, doesn't it? But how many people out there every single day do that? If heaven and hell are real, and if you believe in the Bible truly, then they are real. You should want to sacrifice some things. And like I said, for most of us, it's not even going to come close to our lives. It may come close to someone not wanting to talk to you. It may come close to maybe someone at work. Maybe you do lose your job. Maybe you're martyred. Are you willing to do that in order to share the truth of the gospel, in order to see people in heaven? You know, another key to this and why we've been talking about the Holy Spirit so much is we absolutely need to rely on the Holy Spirit and spiritual discernment through Him. One, if we are afraid to share the gospel message. Because there are times that we are afraid we'll lose a relationship. We're afraid that people will make fun of us. We're afraid to kind of feel like outcasts. So we need the Holy Spirit to give us boldness. Scripture talks about that. We need to pray for boldness through the power of the Holy Spirit so we will boldly share the gospel message. We need boldness. Or sometimes we're not sure what we should say. You know, maybe we know the gospel message. Maybe we've studied the Bible a lot. But when we're out there 
and we want to share a little, bit of more, a little bit more about Jesus, we get kind of choked up and we don't know what to say. Well, pray for the Holy Spirit to help you. Because sometimes we can get too theological. Sometimes we can get too wordy. And sometimes we just need something a little more blunt, a little more simple. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you come up with a really cool illustration. I did that recently in Colorado with my dad. I was asking him, hey dad, you know when we're talking about the Bible, what's the difference between reading it versus studying it? And I used the example, he was a beekeeper before. So I said, dad, you know, uh, if I was telling you I was reading about beekeeping versus studying about beekeeping, what's the difference? And he said, well, you'd really thoughtfully think about, you know, the, the studying it is really being thoughtful about it. It's contemplating. It's going out and finding a mentor that will help you process through it. I was like, wow, yeah, that's the exact same thing. Beekeeping in the Bible, same concept. We just need to truly study it. So that's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us sometimes to come up with an easier way to share the gospel message. Or we need the Holy Spirit to encourage us because there's times when we feel people won't be receptive to our message. But here's the thing, if we always say that we're waiting for that perfect moment, it will never come because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Scripture says that. What happens if this person that I could share the gospel message with, now ultimately is their decision, I get it. But what if that person that I hesitated and didn't say anything, didn't even mention maybe that I am a Christian, they get in a car accident and die. I hope and, and know God is so gracious that maybe he's going to appear to them on their deathbed. But what if he didn't? What if he really wanted us to open our mouths, but our own fear, our own thinking that tomorrow we'd have another opportunity, what if that's what got in the way? So we need the Holy Spirit to help us to be bold because it's not always going to be the Holy Spirit telling us this is when to do it. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's going to just say, open your mouth. So we need His help. This is another reason why it's so important that we deal with, the own, with our own sin, the sin in our life, because when you're living in sin, or even if you just have that one sin slip up, in that moment, it's hard to hear God's voice. It's hard to hear the leading of the Holy Spirit. Think about this. If I'm sitting here and I am looking at things I shouldn't, how is God going to be speaking to me or how am I going to hear the Holy Spirit when my eyes are oogling and googling over things that I shouldn't look at? It's really hard. And that's any kind of anything. Think about that. We need to deal with, the own, with our own sin in our life. And there's also this reality that when you're living in sin, you're fulfilling your will, not God's will. We already talked about how God's will is that everyone would be saved, that everybody would be in heaven with him. I want to end with this really awesome, just kind of, it's kind of this perfect bow to tie this up, that if we are truly Christians, and I keep using that word truly, because it really is something we have to think about. Are we truly saved? Do we truly believe and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior? If you are truly a Christian, do you know that you have a great commission? Yeah. When you hear about commission, you maybe think about the military. You're commissioned to do this, or you're commissioned maybe as, a, as an artist. You have this project, this thing you have to do. When you look at that word commission, it actually means command. So as Christians, we have a great 
command. Now listen to this great command. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So let's camp out there for a minute. So the Great Commission is for us to go make disciples. Disciples, I believe the Greek word is matentes, which means students. It's ultimately, it's a follower. It's more than just a student. It's someone that is a believer, that is a follower. That's what a disciple is. We are to make followers of Jesus. That is the Great Commission. And we do that through baptizing them once they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here's the other part that we need to do. Teaching them to follow all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. Amen. So we are commanded as Christians to go out and create or help to create followers of Christ. We do that by sharing our testimonies, by sharing biblical stories, by sharing who Jesus is. That is our command. But that's only the first step. We have to come back and we have to teach these followers of Jesus, these disciples, all that God commanded. What did He command? Everything in the Bible. Right? So it comes back to learning about Christ, living for Christ, and leading others to Him. And that shouldn't just be a vision or mission for this church. It should be the vision and mission for every single church. That's what we're commanded to do. But our motivation has to be the reality that heaven and hell are real. Because why would I fulfill the Great Commission? Why would I share the gospel message if I don't think heaven and hell are real? Or if I only think heaven is real? See, that's a great trick of Satan to have Christians think heaven's real, but hell's not. Because there's a lot of people that do this. With all kinds of aspects of the Bible, they do this. We'll accept these verses because they're nice and comfortable, but these ones that are really tough, we don't want to look at them. Well, it's the same thing with heaven and hell. You can't say, oh, I'm so glad to be a Christian because heaven sounds so wonderful and incredible, which it is, but this hell thing doesn't exist. Because this should be your motivation to help share people to get to this. We want to see people get to heaven and not end up in hell. It's real, folks. And in three weeks, three Sundays from now, it's all tied together because it's Jesus' resurrection. It's Easter Sunday, three Sundays from now. I believe I have that right. Right now, we are walking in the miracle. We're walking in the experience that Jesus had. What we're talking about today, that's why Jesus died for us. He died in order to keep us from that place of eternal burning, that place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I encourage you guys to take heaven and hell seriously. Not just working on your own faith, but have that burning desire to help make disciples. Help to lead other people to the, quote, promised land. To experience the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen? Lord, 
You're incredible. Lord, how awesome that you just tie everything so perfectly through your word that you have given us a command and that is to go out and make followers of you. And Lord Jesus, we know that it is ultimately each and every individual's decision to accept you as their Lord and Savior. But Lord, they don't even have an opportunity to make that decision if we don't go out and share the gospel message about you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to reflect on our own lives and how incredible you are. And that we would have that incredible desire to share that same love that we experience from you with others. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here that is fearful or afraid, Lord, of what it will cost them, that especially over the next three weeks, Lord, you, Holy Spirit, would burn their hearts to remind them of what it cost you. It cost you everything. Lord, help us to be little Christ, to be those Christians that we are called to be that would be so excited and passionate about sharing the gospel truth that we too, like you, would want to see everyone end up in heaven. I pray, Holy Spirit, that if there's times where we don't know what to say, that you would help speak for us. I pray if there's times when we are afraid that you would give us boldness. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that, that it wouldn't happen that we would lose relationships or, or have to eat our pride, Lord. We don't want to go through those things, but pr I pray, Lord, that we would be hearts to be willing or we would have hearts that would be willing to do that because you have called us to that. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for all the things that you are doing in our lives. We pray this all in your name. Amen.